Okay, we're going to turn to Psalm 91. We're going to begin in Psalm 91. We're going to look at quite a lot of scripture today. So uh, if you're taking notes, you can uh, jot them down. We won't be turning to all of the scriptures that we're going to cover, but we will be uh, talking about quite a lot of scriptures today. If you want to give this a title, you can call it Living Long and Living Strong. Living Long and Living Strong. Living Long and Living Strong. And we're going to start in Psalm 91, uh, verse 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Long life is connected to healing. Divine health and divine life is really an upgrade from healing. And really, that's what we need to be believing for. We don't just need to be believing for healing all the time. We need to be believing God for divine health and divine life right here and now. That's really our ultimate goal. Not just believing for healing, getting sick, believing for healing again, getting sick again, this cycle. We want, to, we want to get into this realm of divine health and divine life. Uh, John 10 verse 10 and the easy to read version says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give life, life that is full and good. So Jesus wasn't just talking about length of life. He was also talking about quality of life. So people in your 70s, 80s, 90s, you have now lived long enough that you've learned some things. You know some things now. You know, when people hit 50, 60, they start thinking about retiring and this kind of thing and just fading off the scene. Hey, you, you just now live long enough, you, you know something. So the, the younger generation needs, needs you in your 70s, 80s, and 90s. So you don't need to be in a hurry to, to go. You don't need to be in a hurry to go anywhere because even if you live 200 years, that is nothing. That is just a blip in the light of eternity. So we, we need you. You need to stick around. Uh, if Jesus delays his return for the church, we should be believing to live long and live strong with the world and in some cases, the church, the body of Christ, in the mess it's in. Uh, we have corruption at the highest level in virtually every country, bankrupt economies, failing schools, the deterioration of the nuclear family, dissolving of the traditional family, 
loss of long-held freedoms, celebration of ungodly lifestyles. I could go on and on and on, but you get the message. But there are some in Christian circles today, their response to all this is just, Jesus, come back quickly and get us out of here. And the, reasons, the reason many Christians are singing this song is because they are not living at the level of victory they could be living at. Some of them uh, don't even go to church or have any Christian fellowship at all. Some go to churches where they're not hearing the truth of God's word. And all they have faith for is Jesus come get us out of here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They're not hearing the word of God about living long and living strong and living in victory right here and now. Ephesians 5.27 says Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, not a weak church on its knees in front of the devil. He's coming back for a church that has its foot on the devil's neck. And the devil is crying for mercy. That's the church that Jesus is coming back for. In Luke 19, 13, Jesus said to occupy till I come. He didn't say run and hide in the bushes and hope that the devil doesn't see you. The, uh, the New Century Version of uh, Psalm 91, 16 says, I will give them a long, full life and they will see how I can save. When many Christians talk about life expectancy, a popular scripture they refer to is Psalm 90, verse 10. And it says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. Now, if you read that scripture in the Amplified Classic Bible, there's a footnote at that verse, and this is what it says. This psalm is credited to Moses, who is interceding with God to remove the curse which made it necessary for every Israelite over 20 years of age when they rebelled against God at Kadesh Barnea to die before reaching the promised land. Moses says most of them are dying at 70 years of age. This number has often been mistaken as a set span of life for all mankind. It was not intended to refer to anyone except those Israelites under the curse during that particular 40 years. 70 years never has been the average span of life for humanity. When Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes, had reached 130 years, he complained that he had not attained to the years of his immediate ancestors. In fact, Moses himself lived to be 120 years old, Aaron 123, Miriam several years older, and Joshua 110 years of age. 
It says, note as well, that in the millennium, a person dying at 100 will still be thought a child. That is in Isaiah 65, 20. So this scripture that people always quote about three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength, four score years, this verse was referring specifically to that generation of disobedient Israelites who rebelled against God and they refused to go into the promised land. Uh, those that were 20 years old and older experienced a limited lifespan of 70 years during that period of time. So living only to 70 years was considered to be a curse. Really? Living only to 70 years was considered wow. to be a curse. I never, I never knew that. Now let's look at a few examples here. Let's look at the patriarchs. Uh, Abraham in Genesis 25, 7 and 8. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, a hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years. The easy-to-read version says Abraham lived to be 175 years old. Then he grew weak and died. He had lived a long and satisfying life. Genesis 35 28, 29 tells us about his son Isaac. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and four score years, and Isaac gave up the ghost. So Isaac lived to be 180 years old. His son, Jacob, uh, Jacob and his family, you know, they, they went to Egypt uh, to meet with Joseph later on uh, in Genesis 47 verse 7 and 9, in the easy-to-read version, it says, Then Joseph called his father Jacob to come in to meet Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to him, How old are you? Jacob said to Pharaoh, I have had a short life and many troubles. I'm only 130 years old. My father and his ancestors lived to be much older than I am. So Jacob was actually apologizing that at 130 years, he had only lived a short life compared to his father and grandfather. Joseph lived to be 110 years old. Moses at the age of 120, climbed Mount Nebo. In Deuteronomy 34, 7, in God's Word translation, it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight never became poor, and he never lost his physical strength. The Living Bible says, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was perfect, 
and he was as strong as a young man. Psalm uh, 105.37, speaking of when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, it says, He brought his people safely out of Egypt, loaded with silver and gold. Yet there were no sick and feeble folk among them. So we know there were elderly people there. We know there were people who had been uh, neglected. They had no medical, proper medical care. They uh, had been beaten and, uh, you know, whipped and pushed around and, uh, you know, malnourished, just not treated properly. But yet, it says there was not one sick and feeble one among them. They had been slaves. But nevertheless, in the Good News translation, it says, Then he led the Israelites out. They carried silver and gold, and all of them were healthy and strong. That ought to be our testimony. All of us are healthy and strong. Now, these were believers living under the old covenant. Today, we're living under the new covenant. How much better should our testimony be? But I believe as much as I enjoy and benefit from our modern conveniences, uh, I believe our modern lifestyle has made us more conducive to a sedentary life. And I believe that's part of our part of the problem of, of modern day society. Um, there are people, including some Christians, that believe God has a set day and a set hour when you die. They think, well, you know, when the calendar hits this day and the clock strikes three o'clock or whatever, you're going. Regardless of how, what your age is, regardless of your 25, regardless how, of how good your health is. They believe when your time's up, buddy, you're going. You know, your number's up, you're going. Uh, you hear people say, God saw fit to take them. It was their time to go, their number was up. Um, uh, have you ever, uh, you know, watched a, uh, a Western film and they had a funeral in the Western film? If you've seen that, you would have heard this verse of Scripture quoted. It's Job 1, verse 21. It says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, um, in the Old Testament, they had very little revelation about Satan. They believed everything that happened, whether it was good or bad, came from God. And in some Christian circles today, this is still a popular belief. Um, you know, they say, well, it's all up to God. It's, it's all up to God if you get saved and when you get saved. It's all up to God if you get healed or when you get healed. It's all up to God when you die and how you die. It's just all up to God. You know, when your number's up, you're going. This is not what the Bible teaches. Uh, there are factors associated with length of life. 
and we're just going to look at several of them here. Number one is knowing God's will that we live a long life. Yes. That's first and foremost, is knowing that it's God's will for all of mankind to live a long life. Uh, when people in their 30s and 40s die prematurely, there's often a belief that this is somehow just part of the mysterious plan of God and it was their time to go. When people don't know the word of God, they accept personal experience as being the will of God. Uh, this is just ignorance of the word of God and it's human reasoning. This is not what the Bible teaches. Uh, two factors connected with length of life is wisdom and foolishness. Proverbs has a lot to say about things you can do to lengthen your life and things you can do to shorten your life. It has to, a lot to say about what wise people do and what foolish people do. In Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments, or my word. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So the righteous are supposed to live a long life and go in peace, not in violence. And keeping the word of God you know, in our, our heart, in our eyes, in our mouth, is part of the wisdom of God that uh, uh, involved in living a long life. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 1 to, uh, no, Proverbs 3, verse 16 says, speaking of wisdom, it says, length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. So the righteous are supposed to live a long life and have a surplus of prosperity. The righteous are not supposed to die like the wicked. The truth is God in his sovereignty has given us a free will. We have a lot to say about how we go and when we go. Um, in Philippians 1, verse 22 and the easy to read version speaking of Paul you know he says you remember he said uh, well I'm, I'm caught between the two I don't know whether to stay or to leave sounds like he had a choice about it doesn't he he says if I continue living here on earth I will be able to work for the Lord but what would I choose to live or to die I don't know. Notice he, he said the word choose. I choose. Verse 23, he says, I'm caught in a strait between the two. I don't know whether to go or to stay, to keep on living or to go and be with the Lord. So he's saying he has something to do. He has something to say about when he goes. This is what the Bible teaches. God has also set up physical and spiritual laws, and there can be consequences for breaking these laws. Uh, what about foolishness? 
Does that play any part in, in length of life? Well, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, when I read this scripture, I was working on this, I thought of um, when my brother was a teenager, he had a friend out of the state actually, didn't live near us, but um, he was not the angel that his parents thought that he was. Um, and his parents had uh, instructed him a number of times not to get in the car with this particular boy driving. And he ignored their instruction and he was killed in a car wreck with that boy driving. So, what happened? The boy ignored wisdom and instruction that his parents had given him multiple times. Proverbs 9 verse 6, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Proverbs 10 verse 21, but fools die for lack of wisdom. I'm thinking of someone else um, a friend of one of my sisters who had a teenage son who was driving too fast without their seatbelt fastened. And uh, they were killed as a result of not having their seatbelt fastened and driving too fast. It's very, it's very important, obviously. And you still hear people yes. being killed who did not have their seatbelt fastened. You hear of teenagers being drawn into violent gangs and crime. Chances are they are not going to have a long life in that environment. So it's no surprise that uh, if they live by violence and fighting, they're probably going to die by violence and fighting. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 17 says, Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? The um, contemporary English version says, don't die before your time by being too evil or acting like a fool. So, is that plain enough? You know, is that plain enough? Another factor in the length of life is your mouth. These, I can assure you, these old covenant believers that we uh, mentioned, they did not go around making jokes about their age. Yes. They didn't talk about being old. They didn't talk about what they couldn't do anymore. Today, when people hit 30, they start saying they're over the hill. They bring out the black balloons and the black birthday cards that say over the hill. And they're already talking about getting old and uh, they can't wait for retirement. But I can assure you these old covenant believers didn't put up the black balloons at 30 years of age saying that they were over the hill. Now, it may be a fact that a part of your body is not functioning to full capacity, but that can be changed. I said that can be changed. James chapter three, says your tongue is connected 
to your body. In James 3 verse 2, in the contemporary English version, it says, all of us do many wrong things. But if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. So we need to stop saying, I can't eat such and such food. We need to stop talking about my weak eye, my weak arm, my weak stomach, my weak knee, whatever. If you feel uh, weak, what are you supposed to say? Joel 3.10, let the weak say, I am strong. That's what we're supposed to say. When we feel weak, we're supposed to say, I am strong. The Bible says faith calls things that are not as though they already were. This is the Bible way to change your body. And it's most powerful and most effective when you say it. Now, other people can, can speak it over you, and that's good, and that's good to get into agreement. But it's, it's the most effective when you're able to say it yourself. Now, in our circles, where we have been taught about the power of confession, some, so over a period of time, people begin to think, well, yeah, I know that, and, and I've reached a level of maturity now, and I just, I can relax, you know. And they begin to let these things slip, and, and then they begin to say things that they never would have said 10 or 15 years ago. Um, Proverbs 10 verse 11 says, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Uh, another factor involved in length of life is mindset. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Uh, I heard Joyce Meyer say, where the mind goes, the man follows. Yes. Where the mind goes, yes. the man follows. I've heard that, yes. Uh, first, uh, yes. another factor in uh, length of life is satisfaction. <laughs> satisfaction. Uh, Abraham, Speaking of Abraham, it says he had lived a long and satisfying life. In uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 2, it says, A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Now this is not talking about a day and an hour when you're going to die. The context here is talking about a season to plant and a season to harvest. So this is talking about a season of life. There's a season of life to die. And it's not when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s and 90s. Um, it's talking about a season of life. In Job 5, verse 26, it says... Um, thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn cometh in his season. So again, it's talking about 
a harvest time, a harvest season. Um, the contemporary English version says, you will live a very long life and your body will be strong until the day you die. Now that's about as, as plain as you can get it. Yes. The Living Bible says, you shall live a long, good life like standing grain. You'll not be harvested until it's time. In other words, yeah. God doesn't, uh, it's not the will of God for people to die prematurely before their season. Uh, God's Word translation says, you will come to your grave at a ripe old age like a stack of hay in the right season. So according to the Word of God, there's a proper season and a proper way to die. Uh, in, in, you know, in agricultural terms, harvest season is when the crop is ripe, ripe and it's ready to be picked. Harvest time is when the corn has reached the full ear. If you try to harvest that corn and you pull it off before it reaches the full corn in the ear, you've pulled it off prematurely. It's not harvest time. So when people die prematurely, they haven't reached uh, harvest time according to the Bible. Now, um, Isaac, speaking of Isaac, it says, uh, Genesis 35, 29, and Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. Speaking of David, 1 Chronicles 23, 1, so when David was old and full of days, he made Solomon his son king over Israel. Uh, again, speaking of David, in 1 Chronicles 29, 28, it says, He died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. King Jehoiada, he was, he was a good king in the uh, Old Testament. It says, but Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old when he died. Second Chronicles 24:15. So you notice this phrase keeps coming up: full of days. Yes. Full of days. Yes. Job. Job 42:17. So Job died being old and full of days. Yes. So after God restored twice the possessions that he had lost, Job lived another 140 years. Now the Bible doesn't say exactly how old he was when he died, but uh, tradition says that he lived to be probably 210 years old. If he was, let's say if he was 70 years when these attacks came upon his family and him personally, if he was 70 years old, old then and he lived another 140 years, that would make him 210 years old. So we don't know exactly, but, but he lived old and full of days. According to Psalm 91, for a believer, the proper 
season for us to go is when we are satisfied. Now, what does that mean? Have your desires been fulfilled? Have you completed the assignment God gave you here on earth? These are part of the factors involved uh, in being satisfied. And people, you know when you're satisfied or you're not satisfied. Um, Philippians 1.23, when Paul said, I don't know whether to go or to stay, to keep on living or to go and be with the Lord. He, he was uh, in a place of indecision there. He wasn't sure that he was satisfied yet. He wasn't sure that he had completed his assignment. So again, he had something to say about that. Yeah. He had something to say about whether he stayed mm -hmm. and continued the work of God or whether he went on yes. to be with the Lord. And in uh, verse 24, uh, it tells us that he made that choice. He made that decision. He said, because you need me, I'm going to stay. I don't know whether to go would be better to be with the Lord, but because you, you people need me, I'm going to stay. So he made the choice to stay. It was in his control. Yes. Now, in 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7, uh, Paul came to the place where he knew his season to go had come. He said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So he came to the place he knew um, that his season had come. He, had, he was satisfied that he had completed the assignment that God had given him. Now, we're not denying the aging process, but we need to be resisting it. Amen? We need to be resisting it. Second Corinthians 4.16 in the Phillips translation says, This is the reason why we never collapse. The outward man does indeed suffer wear and tear, but every day the inward man receives fresh strength. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die. Now that's another scripture that's often uh, taken out of context or misquoted. Sometimes you'll hear people say it's appointed unto men a time to die. That's, that's not what it says. It says once to die. For us believers, if Jesus delays his coming, we will die once. And when we do go, we're not supposed to go like the ungodly. No tubes, no machines, no distress. Now, we're not condemning anybody. We all know godly people who have died prematurely and maybe in distressing circumstances. So we're not judging anybody. We haven't been where those people have been. We're just saying what the Word of God says and what the will of God is according to the Bible. 
A long, healthy, satisfied life is the will of God for all of mankind. We were created to live, not to die. Where is that written? We were created to live and not to die. It's not normal for people to want to die. Death is our enemy, not our friend. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. We're supposed to just leave satisfied. Now, honest doctors will tell you there are people who should not die, but they do. And there are people that should not live, but they do. Yes. So, so we know uh, there are other things involved other than just medical conditions uh, involved here. Yes. That's, uh, we're just supposed, as believers, we're just supposed to leave satisfied. That's all the dying we're ever going to do. This life here now is as bad as it's going to get for us. In the future, we are going to get a new body not a different body, the same body just upgraded. We will have this same body throughout eternity. We will have the same body and, and it will be a glorified body that can keep up with our spirit. Um, a glorified body, no aging, no wrinkles, no sickness, no pain, no death. And if we are alive, if we're still here at the rapture when the Lord comes to catch us away and we meet him in the air, this physical body will be changed. This physical body will be changed. If, if, if we, we might not ever physically die, if, if we, if the Lord delays uh, if the Lord comes and we're still here, we might not physically die. But uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now that phrase, in the twinkling of an eye, in the Greek, it's the words in atomo, and it means in an atomic second. In an atomic second, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. In other words, there won't be any more aging, no more wrinkles, no more sickness, no more pain. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Yes. Now, 
I have heard Christians say, I don't want to live to be old. Now, why would they say that? Because they don't expect to have quality of life when they get older. They expect to get sick and feeble. That's why Christian people, or anybody for that matter, makes a statement like that. They don't expect to have vitality. They don't expect to have a sound mind. They don't expect to have purpose. You know, if you go into some nursing homes, you will find uh, people there who are immobile. Uh, maybe most people there are immobile, and it's not necessarily because of old age. For the most part, it's because they are not moving. Uh, there's some truth to the statement that if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, because of lack of use, their muscles begin to atrophy. They begin to lose bone density. They don't pick up their feet when they walk because their muscles are weak. It's not probably old age in itself. They get weaker and weaker not because of old age. Some of them have just given up on the inside. They've just given up on life and they have nothing to live for. Uh, some of these people are confused and it may not be necessarily because of their age. Uh, you will find that most of those people are dehydrated they do not drink enough water. Many of them are over-medicated with prescription drugs. Uh, according to NHS England in 2019, care home residents are prescribed an average of seven medicines a day and many take 10 or more. Studies suggest one in 10 older people's admissions to hospital is linked to their medicine intake. Now, I'm not suggesting if in your 70s, 80s, and 90s that you go throw away your medicine if you need it. I am not saying that. I'm just saying that some of these complex uh, issues in elderly people are not merely age-related. So if you have not been moving for a long time, uh, you don't need to just get up and start trying to run around the room or run around the block. You need to start where you are. Get a can of soup or something uh, and, and while you're sitting watching a Christian program or listening to a podcast, take that soup can in your hand and begin to uh, flex your arm with it. Begin to lift it like a weight. Start, start building those muscles. Uh, you'll be surprised at how quick your strength can recover. There are uh, leg exercises you can do sitting. There are leg exercises you can do in bed. Uh, strengthen those muscles. Keep it up and you'll be surprised at how quick 
your strength can recover. In Romans 8.11, it tells us, speaking to us believers, that the same resurrection life that raised Jesus from the dead is in us right now. And that resurrection power will quicken or make alive your mortal body. And by faith, we have access to that resurrection power right here and right now. Part of my morning devotion, I have, I have a, you know, routine that I go through and, and just saying these things is not it. It's believing it. You gotta, it's not just saying these things, you gotta believe it. But you can say it till you do believe it. Um, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. My immune system grows stronger day by day. I speak life to my immune system. I forbid confusion in my immune system. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, quickening my immune system with the life and wisdom of God which guards the life and health of my body. I have a strong heart. My blood pressure is 120 over 80. No plague comes near my dwelling. My body will not be deceived by any disease, germ, or virus. Every cell of my body supports life and health. This is part of my morning devotion, Amen. that I declare these things over my physical body. And this is how we access this quickening of Romans 8.11 in our physical body. This is how we do it. So let's watch our mouth. Amen? And we should want to know if we're saying something that we shouldn't be saying. I know some people don't like to be corrected, and we, we don't go around correcting people all the time. But we should want to know when we're saying something that we shouldn't be saying. And there's really no justification in our day and age for letting these things slip. So let's stir ourselves up. We need to be talking strength, not weakness. Amen? And as a body of believers, we all need to be saying the same thing. So let's get our mouth. Let's get this word in our mouth and in our heart. Let's get back to speaking the things that first delivered us. And we can get results. And we can turn these things around. We can... We can change our body, amen? Yeah. And we can, we can turn things around, amen.